Welcome to Conversations with Connors. I'm your host, Adam Connors. The usual or average is what I think of when I hear the word normal. The dictionary defines normal as an individual behavior that conforms to the most common behavior in society. Yuck. I'm confident that today's guest, Rob Fajardo, feels the same about that term. In fact, he's so dismissive of normal that he founded a company, or dare I say a movement, to quote-unquote leave normal behind. During our conversation, you'll quickly understand why Rob is a sought-after influencer, speaker, and business accelerator. He also happens to be one of the viral marketing partners who launched Fidget Spinners. Remember those? Rob's listed as a top millennial influencer to follow by both BuzzFeed and Everpedia. He's collaborated with top brands like Red Bull and Wyndham Resort Group and has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc. Magazine. Rob's main mission is to inspire others in leaving their normal behind to become the best version of themselves and create things that matter. Our conversation delved into influence, the importance of being unapologetically yourself, why you must be the best version of yourself, and how, by doing so, will make you magnetic and attract other winners into your circle. Speaking of your circle, he got into defining your inner circle and why it needs to evolve as you grow. There were a lot of takeaways and quotes that came from our conversation. Some of my favorites, especially as it relates to networking, were try to learn something new from everyone you meet, be an active listener, make your inner circle sacred, and what you know leads you to who you know. So, in the spirit of who you know, sit back and get to know Rob. Uh, I should probably start this out with a big shout out to uh, Brian Wallace, Brian Wallace from NowSource, who uh, made today happen as an introduction. I guess it's very uh, fitting that the introduction that he made to us was through a networking event. So, uh, yeah, real happy to Brian for making that happen. I was fortunate enough to meet Rob a couple weeks back at, at one of the NowSource uh, LinkedIn networking events. Uh, we immediately hit it off. This guy just has a, a really good energy to him. Through the course of our conversation, started telling me about uh, one of the ventures that he's involved with, and, and I just thought it was awesome. I feel like, uh, and you'll soon see, that Rob is an old soul with uh, deep thoughts, lots of energy, and a really interesting platform. Rob, if you don't mind, give us an overview of what Leave Normal Behind is, as well as how it came to be, and all the other things that you've accomplished. Well, actually, not all. We'll dig into those uh, uh, step by step, but uh, take it away. Yeah, thank you, Adam, for having me on the Network Wise podcast. This is awesome. I'm really appreciative for the time here and the audience that's listening. I'm really looking forward to providing as much value as I can. So, is Rob Fajardo. I'm 24 years old. I'm the founder of Leave Normal Behind and host of LNB TV. The mission of Leave Normal Behind is to inspire others to become the best version of themselves and create things that matter. So we have a community, we give content, and we host events to bring together purpose-driven people to allow them to build relationships and network in order to make a positive difference. So LNB started three years ago. January 2015 was the first time we ever hashtagged leave normal behind on social media 
Happy anniversary. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's three years now, you know, at the time of this podcast, it's in January. So literally, you know, three years. And um, we actually built LNB for free for over two and a half years, really just creating content, true grassroots movement, taking the time to understand on a deep level, what does leaving normal behind truly mean, right? So I'm 24 now, you know, at the inception being, you know, 20 or 21, understanding where my limitations are and my brother's limitations, he's a co-founder, he's um, 22 now, so he's 19. And our journey to sit with amazing people like yourself, travel the world, meet, read hundreds of books to formulate how can everyone truly leave normal behind? What is a leave normal behind lifestyle? What does becoming the best version of yourself practically look like? Because to get to that answer, and it's still something that we're formulating, you need to talk to a lot of people, right? Because everyone's different. Everyone has their own inner genius. Everyone is dealing with different circumstances. So being able to uncover that silver lining, that silver thread that ties within everyone, you know, it's taken us three years, you know, to really understand at a deep level. And now, um, you know, headed in 2018, being in the position to really communicate our message to the masses. You know, we've built a decent following, you know, over the last three years in the thousands, you know, not millions. In 2018 and beyond, it's it's that time to really now come out in the mainstream, you know, and start really touching people on a width level, as opposed to our focus has been depth, really making sure that who we touch, we are doing what we want to do with them. Because oftentimes I think marketers try to go width first and not depth, and then you actually don't understand what you're doing. It's, I think it's better to go deep first and then wide second. Wow. Who's uh, the brainchild behind LNB? LNB. So it's myself, my brother, and actually one of my friends, Adrian, who was one of my first, you know, firstest mentors. He was a mentee to my first mentor. He's still older than me, so he was kind of like a mentor to me. They're from Australia. One of my first mentors, his name is Jacob Goff. He uh, sold some companies and he created this startup studio called Pitch Black in Australia which was my first introduction to rapid prototyping businesses. So I had initially gone to Australia the first semester of my senior year at Amherst College. I finished my English major in three years, then I went abroad my first semester and then graduated when I came back because I wanted to drop out of school, but I'm like, I'm at a pretty good school, you know, let me, let me finish it so I could use my degree in my life. And Jacob had, you know, seen some potential in me. I was creating content at the time. And he had just given me the opportunity to think bigger, right? And at that time, we were in talks of potentially me running a USA extension of this startup studio. Around that time, I had actually come up with the idea of this thing called the Elevated Minds Movement. You know, movement of individuals who have an elevated mind or conscious and are inspired to become the best version of themselves, create things that matter. And in Australia, they actually have something called like tall poppy scene syndrome, which means, um, for those of you who don't know, it's like everyone in Australia for the majority is middle class, right? There's not too many people. There's like less than 25 million people in Australia. Most people are making $65,000 or more. Like a receptionist will make $60,000. Everyone has a pretty decent job. Um, obviously the landscape of Australia is beautiful. So they have this vibe whenever somebody wants more for themselves. It's called tall poppy seed syndrome where people try to cut them down and say, 
why do you want more for yourself? Are you better than everybody else? We already have anything. Do you think you're too good for other people? So the initial reaction to the Elevated Minds movement rubbed people in a way that may have been patronizing or condescending. And Adrian was like, hey, you know, what do you think about Leave Normal Behind? And I was like, you know what? I like Leave Normal Behind as a movement name and as a pronoun nomenclature identity of the members in our Leave Normal Behind movement are elevated minds. Because you can't be a Leave Normal Behinder. Yeah, just other movements, you need an identity within. The movement brand had, you know, from that moment, had been Leave Normal Behind. It was something that immediately resonated with me and we just took that and ran with it and never stopped. We were like, yeah, Elevated Minds makes a lot more sense as the identity of the person who is Leaving Normal Behind. Wow. And, and what are some of the things that you preach to mm-hmm. those who are looking to leave normal behind? The first is being unapologetically yourself. You know, I think that's the first thing you have to accept <clears throat> is you have a voice inside your head that's been tapping on your shoulder. And no matter what you do, it's never going to go away unless you t- do become totally unconscious to it and you um, just make yourself blase blase and you don't take care of yourself and you lose the neuroplasticity in your brain and it becomes rigid and you lose the ability to think and connect with your emotional being, right? So that's the worst case scenario. Um, Ouch. Yeah, that's what happens if you stop learning, you stop reading, you stop connecting, you just stop growing, right? And there's a quote, the second I think about leaving normal behind is being committed to growth, right? I believe that you're either growing or you're dying. Right? A plant is either growing up towards the sun or it's withering away. There's no plant that just stays stagnant. You're either one or the other. And I believe humans are the same way. So you're either growing or you're dying. You're not just being. You know, and um, I think the biggest way that you see that is as people age. Right? So unfortunately, my grandma now is like 92, 93. I'm sure she'll pass soon, you know, and I don't know when. Could be months, years, I'm not too sure. She started getting dementia, right? Because probably around 45, 50, 55 years old, she stopped learning, she stopped reading, she stopped growing, you know, and now she says the same things every single day. You know, it's like her mindset is just in that loop. And when you don't introduce new information, then you lose the ability to create new neuron synaptic connections in your brain. And therefore you lose the neuroplasticity. So that's why there's a 93 year old now who's vibrant and alive and still quick-witted and clever and intelligent versus unfortunately my grandmother now, which is the exact opposite of that. There's no reason for that because my grandmother is actually very healthy. She's not sick at all. You know, nothing is actually killing her other than she stopped using her brain. So being committed to growth, I think is a second principle of leaving normal behind. Wow. And that requires, you know, growing apart from people that don't grow. You know, I think the first thing when you're leaving normal behind is you go through this very hard change of your inner circle. You know, that's like really a big thing and being okay with, you might lose a friend and not lose them forever, but lose them in your inner circle, right? Because that's not even something that I'm saying, right? Warren Buffett says you're the average of the five closest people around you. We only got five spots to give if we have a leave normal behind vision well, then our spots can only be filled with other people who have a leave normal behind vision. And sometimes it's really hard to separate away from our family, our friends, because they're great people. But we have to understand they can still be a great person 
and be a detriment to our dream and our goal. So Rob, if you could tell me who makes up those five spots in your mm-hmm. world and, and what did they have to do in yeah. order to get there? And please let me know what I got to do. So I yeah. never, if I'm in there, I don't, I don't want to get out. Yeah. You know, so for me, if I was to answer this honestly, I don't have my five spots filled out yet. I'm okay with that. And man, I might have, you know, three or four spots filled. One of them is my girlfriend. One of them is my brother, who's my best friend, and my sister, who's my best friend, and, you know, and maybe another best friend. I have a really small inner circle just because it has happened that way, you know, and I think particularly with Leave Normal Behind is it takes a, quite a bit of time to find other people who are leaving normal behind. You know, true people who are leaving normal behind aren't just like walking around, you know, and they're not people that you just stumble into. I have thousands of acquaintances, thousands of people that like I have phone numbers, like over 2000 phone numbers, people like will shake their hands, give them hugs. I'm friends with them in that moment and I care about them. I think when you let someone get into your inner circle and like have an effect on your energy, that's like a very sacred space for me, right? Where if they're upset, it could make me upset. So that's ultimately when, when I think of inner circle, I'm like, who can like not get to me, but who can affect the way that I'm thinking, feeling in that moment? For me, that's like family, you know? So like my family is, is that most inner circle. That's just how I was raised, being from a big family at five, like four other siblings and my two parents. And as I'm growing older, I'm developing a better relationship with my parents, right? Transitioning over now from like I was a kid to now I'm more of an adult. So that's exciting. Second generation immigrant. So like really coming through those hard work ideals. That's just something that had been uh, really reiterated throughout my, my childhood. You know, is you only need your family. You have all of your siblings. Again, like my girlfriend's great too. For me, what I've learned at this time after meeting with like so many great people in business is you really got to judge people's actions versus what they say, right? You can do good business with somebody and make money with somebody. Doesn't mean they have to be in your inner circle. Like you can go to dinner with this person. You can really care about what they're doing. Doesn't mean they have to be in your inner circle. You know, the inner circle stuff, I think, is when someone overextends himself and does something that they would not do regularly, just most people aren't aren't going to do that. Everyone's got their own stuff in their day. It doesn't make them a bad person, you know, and I don't, by no means do, am I saying uh, if someone's not in your inner circle, you should view them differently, right? Because I think you should make your inner circle very sacred, really love the people in that inner circle and keep an open door, you know, for people to enter. You don't want to be closed off, but be very particular, you know, and, and it's one of those things where like let people's actions walk them there because if there's something that I found is if somebody really does want to be in your inner circle genuinely, it'll just naturally happen that they do the actions to do that, right? They'll call you randomly. They will give you an opportunity because they're thinking about you. They'll look out for you. They'll throw an event and they'll invite you there. They'll have a dinner and then they ask you to dinner, right? It's just one of those things when then you ask yourself like, hey, you know, this person's putting more time or effort into me in this relationship. Each time we meet our relationships developing and now I'm building trust for this person. You know, and at this time, especially in business, you haven't spent a lot of time with people, right? Like how could somebody become your best friend in less than a year? You know, how could you compare any new person that you meet at this time? Instant best friends like do happen, but man, your family's been with you your whole life, you know, and they know you for like decades. It reminds me of a quote, Oprah. Yes, Oprah, I'm quoting. (laughs) If someone wants to show you who they are, let them. A hundred percent. And that's one of the biggest things that I've learned in business, even in my past ventures, 
working with different teams is like you can't change everybody anybody you can't change anybody and just have a higher emotional intelligence to be aware of how people are and as you see how people are and act then you just do exactly that what Oprah said just register oh, okay that's how that person is that's how I have to act in this situation you know and you don't have to take it personal you know I think people take things really personal that's another aspect of leaving normal behind, like composure. When I say nothing gets me, like really nothing gets me. You That's know, awesome. Because it's, and that comes from reading, right? Books like Power of Now, detaching yourself, being the observer of your thoughts, being the observer of your mind. There's no reason to get over emotional, you know, because if you are aware, you are present, you can do anything that you need to do in that moment to make the best decision at that time, like you have in every other decision in your life when shit hits fan that ability, and this is where relationships help you, right? You'll find that if somebody doesn't have composure, it's because deep down they don't actually feel like they have that inner support. But if you have like two or three people around you that really love you, that goes a long way in your comfortability throughout the day. Your ability to like be more of yourself because you're like, if that person doesn't like me, I still know that that person loves me, you know? So if you can just find the two, three people, you know, find a relationship partner, that can support you in that way, that really, I think, helps you get to the next level in your own psyche because you're able to focus more on what you need to do and what you have as opposed to what, what you don't have. That's a great point. That's well said, really well put. So, so you've met a bunch of really interesting people in your travels. Anyone's in particular uh, jump out at you? People that maybe they're not your inner circle now, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. there was things, traits about them that you're like, wow, I, I, really, I really like that. I want to get to know that person more. Yeah. So... I try to learn something from everyone that I meet, good or bad. And picking up on people's frequency, I think, is the best way to upgrade, right? So you don't have to spend that much time with a person to kind of feel the vibe that they're putting out there. You know, get that mental download and then register that and then kind of move on. So I've worked with some great people, you know, so like Kevin Jonas from the Jonas Brothers. He was a guy that I worked with for a couple of months when I ended up coming back from Australia. Um, it was at a influencer network called the blue market it may or may not exist not at the scale that it, it was and we were doing like tens of thousands of downloads a day through an influencer network of like 300 million users on social media ultimately this was the network that i had then leveraged to launch fidget spinners like last november 2016 so with kevin you know that was my first time working with a celebrity you know like great celebrity you know this dude's traveled all over the world anybody you know, can call anyone they'll pick up they know who he is for people that don't know Kevin Jonas he was in this band called the Jonas Brothers you know they got famous when they were younger you know Nick and Joe are still making music and Kevin transitioned more into tech and business mainly mobile apps and games and chart ranking them to the top of the charts so what we would do back then was we would have this influencer network that we would do promotions to download the app and then because our reach was so great there was something called content locking right so in order to get a 500 dollars sephora makeup gift card you had to download this app right and then if you download the app right you, they get tens of thousands of downloads there's only about 150 spots on the app store once you have the visibility of the app store you get something called the organic lift right which means how many of us go on the app store, we type in something, and if it's on the top five, we're going to download it. We're just like, this is probably the right app for me to download. It's near the top of the charts. That's when I got to download. 
So for most of these app companies, and if you have an app company, you got to realize it's almost, it's like an illusion or facade to like create a mobile app, put no marketing dollars behind it, and then just end up on the top of the charts. Just yeah. the percentage of that happening just doesn't. And the people that do mobile apps the right way, man, they have stupid amount of budget, you know? And like there are some companies that would pay like $100,000 a day, you know, to Blue Market to get 50,000 downloads, right? Because if you got 50,000 downloads, well, now because you were top five in the app store, you now got 250,000 downloads on your organic lift. So then you had 300,000 downloads in total. And now you just did the math to say whatever per amount per spend I'm getting, I'm getting the organic lift. And then they would just keep spending. You have companies like Solitaire, which spend over like 15 million a year just to keep them as the number one game in the world, right? Because Solitaire is a classic game. So if even Solitaire, a even game Solitaire. like Solitaire, that's like a, a household Be name. Because or... how many people are going to make a Solitaire copy, right? So if Solitaire, the actual Solitaire wants to be number one when you type in Solitaire, well, they got to have the most downloads, right? And the way you're making sure you get the most downloads is that you're investing, and this is called an in incentivized traffic, right? So my story is very interesting because everything's like happened very serendipitously for me, right? So we first started like all on our own, really creating content, repurposing what we were learning and reading. Then attracted my first mentor, Jacob, went over to Australia. That was when we had learned the rapid creation development, right? That's where we saw the sales team and the design team, the coders, the CEO, marketers, right? It was, oh, wow, this is how you could take any idea, get it some traction, do the fundamentals on three or four projects at once and get it going. Then we immediately came back in November that year and then did a, like a massive immersion in distribution, right? So now we just learned how to make apps being like the business development strategic partnership aspect of it. And then now I just got introduced to massive distribution. So then that transitioned over. I had to go back to my last semester of college and I started my company called Sofro, which is just like a business development agency. We didn't do like that well, probably just did like 60 or 70 grand like in school. Like, uh, I'll take that. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, but you don't make that much profit. You know, that's one of the things I think that people don't realize is that, especially in the agency, yeah, you can like make money, but you got to like pay people stuff like 20 and like 20,000 of that probably was like just sent through like a Venmo or PayPal and not done the right way. You know, so what we actually, I'll just share because I think not enough entrepreneurs share their stuff, especially in their process that people don't actually learn. For Sofro, that company had probably done like, I think we paid on taxes only like 35K. But we spent like 40K, right? So the company was negative five. You know, we, we spent $6,000 on, on an ad campaign that didn't work, right? Then if you have eight people like we did on the team, 30 grand goes away like in a second. I think too oftentimes entrepreneurs are like, oh, I want to make six figures. Six figures in revenue is way different than six figures in profit, right? That's like a total facade that people don't talk about in terms of the actual segment that it takes to like grow your business. You know, so that was just something that we were doing in school. We were building funnels, doing Facebook ads, helping people with their branding, websites, developing courses. Then I graduated in May from Amherst. They started speaking a little bit, ended up meeting Gerard Adams in July of that year, 2016. Gerard's a co-founder of Elite Daily. This is a millennial website that sold to the Daily Mail for around 50 million. Then he had just opened this place called Founders, which is like a startup accelerator in Newark, New Jersey. At that time, my team came in because there was a bunch of interns there. Um, they were starting to develop 
a seed to scale program that's no longer there. The founders program used to be like a 12 week accelerator. You're in there every day and we're bringing experts every day. Like Lewis house would come, like came in and a bunch of other cool people that would come in each day and they would talk. Now they transitioned into an online platform. So I'm not an advisor. I'm not part of founders anymore, but I did that from around July to December of 2016. In November of 2016 is when I met Alan Mamon and Cooper Weiss, who are the two 17-year-olds that had developed one of the first fidget spinners. I had been looking into fidget spinners a little bit. That was around the time that the Fidget Cube raised like $5 million on Kickstarter. So I had been aware of like this fidget industry because I'm an entrepreneur myself. Like I fidget, right? So I went over to a conference called Thrive in San Diego. And this is where networking comes in, right? Like if I hadn't built a personal brand, I wouldn't have, if I didn't build a personal brand online, I wouldn't have gotten introduced to Alan online from a Facebook group called the Young Entrepreneur Society International. The founders of that group are from Canada. Me and Alan were both in that group. He knew that we needed to talk to each other. We chatted. Then we both ended up in a conference at San Diego called Thrive. Ended up sitting next to each other. He had two fidget spinners at the time. One was like a metal one that was too small and one was a 3D printed one that was too big. And I was like, hey man, how are these going? You know, I kind of saw one of these on Etsy before. I knew that I had this viral network, right? That could make anything go viral. I was like, how's it been going? He's like, you know, we've been doing it for two weeks or so. We made about 2000 bucks. Um, we're selling them for 25 bucks and they got banned from three classrooms. As soon as he told me they got banned from three classrooms, I'm like, dude, I can make this go viral as fuck. That's Game on. I just told him, I was like, dude, this is all I need to know. This is all I need to know. So we ended up reconnecting because he was from New York City. We ended up reconnecting, or he's from like Westchester area. He ended up coming to Founders for about two or three weeks. You know, we'd come in. I was like talking to them. We were doing some initial campaigns. And, you know, this comes to content creation. A big thing that I'm all about is documenting the process. So this is actually where I got a lot of chops from like people online in the entrepreneur space, right? Because I took my iPhone, right, and filmed it. I said, here's a fidget spinner. I think this can go really viral. I'm going to make this go viral. I have the networks to do so. I'm looking for an investor, $10,000, $20,000. Let's do some ad spend and make this go. You're going to make some money on this product, and it's, we're going to go great. Here's the two founders, and we're spending it in founders. That was November 16th of 2016. So long story short, I was like telling Gerard, right, because he also has a big network. I'm like, hey, man, you know, we're working together in founders at this time. I was handling... I was basically like, he was one and I was two, you know? I was like, dude, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this without you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need you to do this. I'm like, I'm going to do it without you, but we should do it together, you know? And he liked it, but he wasn't like all about it. Long story short, I would like place it in his hand. I'd see him like play it, play with it all day. But he goes home and he gives it to his like preteen nephew. That's like 11 or 12 or something. And his nephew just freaks out over it, right? He's like, loves it. He's like, Uncle Gerard, like, I want more. I want all the colors, right? And like Gerard comes back the next day. He's like, I'm in, like, let's do it, you know? So we ended up putting like our, that first initial ad spend, myself, Gerard, and the two, uh, Alan and Cooper who were 17 at the time as equity partners in a company called Fidget360. And we launched the original Fidget Spinner. You know, we were the first ones to do a massive campaign. And then a company now that has continued the Fidget Spinner trend, um, Fidgetly, they were like our first initial competition. Man, the interesting story is, we passed up on the patents, you know, it was going to cost us like 20 or 30 grand up front for the fidget spinner patents at that time. And in hindsight, we probably would have done the same thing. You know, it was, I went to Alan and Cooper and I was like, Hey man, you guys, you know, if, if we put this money down to protect this legally, 
all right, do you guys want to be the CEO and the COO of a fidget spinner company? Do we want to like take the time to make this iconic and turn this into the slinky or the pool noodle, right? Something that's very simple and still very profitable. Or is this just a serial entrepreneur type venture? We're going to, it's going to be a pump and dump cash because we're going to pump it out to hundreds of millions of people. It's going to get ripped off by China in a day. And then our business is going to be protecting ourselves from all the knockoff fidget spinners. And that's what our time's going to be on. And everyone was like, no, you know, I'm not particularly passionate about fidget spinners. It was the first e-commerce product that I launched. Gerard was doing founders. I had leave normal behind. And the two kids were like, we want to launch a whole bunch of products. You know, we're, we're young kids. We're doing a lot of things. So we had a, a good like four or five month head start. like crushed it December, February, March. And then like end of March, April came and we just got obliterated by like Amazon, Walmart, um, Shopify. It was great. You know, by, by any means, by all means in a business opportunity, it was great. We made money. We made more money than we invested. I'm getting new speaking opportunities, right? It's a good, great case study. I can share the story now. There's a great learning lesson from it. Like what I always say, the best value I got as fidget spinners was, you know, as entrepreneurs, we so often move off our intuition. So that feeling of serendipity of when I know that I see something that other people don't, I can't tell you how many people told me don't launch fidget spinners. It That's so fucking stupid, right? Like that's so stupid. I was like, it's just stupid enough. That's like what I would say. I was like, it's just stupid and simple enough to actually work. So for me, knowing now at being 24, I'm like, I'm going to have a lot of things to do. It really hit me, I guess, I just came back speaking in San Diego because I've always kind of had like a negative feeling about it. How much would it suck to like launch fidget spinners but then not get the financial upside? But just accepting like we created a half a billion dollar market. Like fidget spinners did over 500 million worldwide. It was just an awesome thing to be a part of. You know, like where we were slow was the strategic development and the strategic partnerships, right? Like getting it into Best Buy, getting it into the convenience stores partnering with Hasbro, partnering with the Golden State Warriors to put fidget spinner logos, partnering with Marvel, right, to do Spider-Man fidget spinners, you know, so that's where we were slow. And ultimately, we ended up losing, because once other people got those relationships in place, then they were able to do do the same thing. You'll have your next fidget spinner, if yeah, not two yeah. or three more. Something that you, you talked on is something that I love is I've had a lot of people and, and unfortunately I've listened and many times I have listened and now I don't. But uh, it's when people are like, oh no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And when someone says, no, you can't do that, I've come to learn that no, they can't, they can't do, do that. that. Yeah, But I can. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I kind of feel like you were yeah. in that same type of mindset. Whenever somebody asks, tells me that I can't do something, it just makes me look at it more. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's opportunity. Yeah, it's just like, awesome. This seems difficult to somebody. I always take those opportunities as times to like get more info. It's just like R&D, right? Like going behind enemy lines. Oh, you have negative beliefs? Like, tell me why you have negative beliefs just so that it can better my understanding of what I already know can happen, right? I think understanding all of this stuff is important, you know? So... It also comes down to people's perspective, right? You either have people that are excuse-oriented or solution-oriented, right? For me, I just naturally default to, cool, that's hard. What do we need to do to make it happen? That's just always my default. What what do we need to do to make it happen? This quote will resonate well with you. The obstacle in the road is the stepping stone Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. something to that effect. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just like you ask the right questions. I call it like a feedback loop, right? Like failure doesn't really exist. If you can just become really great at asking yourself, like, what went right? What went wrong? What do I need to do right now? You know, if, if, if you can just, anytime something happens to you, like what happened, what went right, what went wrong, 
What do I need to change? What do I need to do right now? You know, if you just always default to that, even for anything, like you and your girlfriend get in a fight, right? Like, what happened? What went right? What went wrong? What do I need to change? What do I need to do right now? Yeah, I'm you know? going to incorporate that. Yeah, it, it's just, man, it's, it will save your life. It will yeah. save your life. Yeah. It really will save your life, that, that little feedback loop. You know, it's just, and that's the idea of emotional intelligence. You know, I just, and this is something I work with my girlfriend on too. It's like, listen, like, I'm not somebody that ever needs to get into a fight. Like, I know you might get mad. You know, I might feel more emotional too. Getting into a fight, not worth it. Let's ask each other the right questions. Like, why are you upset? What bothered you? How could we move past it? Right? It's just, that's just like one thing in my life that I just know is like a staple for me. You don't need to dramatize anything. You don't need to make something too emotional. You don't need to make things seem bigger than they are. And people do that every single day, right? People are like, oh, I got so much stuff to do today. Everything's against me. You know, it's like, shut up. You know, it's just like, don't make it like that. Yeah. Go meditate. It's your perspective. It's 100% your perspective, you know? So, Asking good questions keeps us grounded. And if you can ask great questions, that's something that people have trouble with, though, is they actually don't know how to ask themselves great questions. Most of us operate off very superficial questions, right? Like, what do I need to do right now? Oh, I need to go get gas. Then I go get gas. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's like a squirrel, you know? So, but if you ask yourself a deeper question, right? Like, I don't know, how can I make a huge impact today? Well, then if that's the filter that your guiding light is, then your actions will change. I think most people don't ask themselves a big enough question that actually guides their life, right? For me, why every day I feel like I have to do something is because I ask myself the question, how do I inspire 7 billion people to become the best version of themselves, create things that matter, leave normal behind? I'm like, that is the biggest thing I can think of. It'll probably take my whole life to do it. You know, it just now I have something to do for my whole life. You know? <laughs> that's great. Did you ever read the book, The One Thing? Yeah. What'd you Gary Keller. Oh, yeah. That's like, I, well, I, I like read the that one like thing. three or four times. I, and I think that's something that, you know, that quote, you know, what's the one thing I could do right now that would make everything else easier or unnecessary? I think that's a very powerful question to ask, right? And, and that's the idea <sighs> that's of powerful question asking. Yeah. One of my first mentors, his name was Mark Hoverson, internet marketing legend. He taught me dreamscaping, right? And that's the idea of actually visualizing what you want. I was young, I was 18, 19, and even people that are older, we don't know how to visualize. And he would walk us through exercises, like you're walking up into your door, your home. What does the handle look like? What kind of wood is it? Is it mahogany? Is it maple? You walk in, do you have a foyer? Are there steps? Is there one staircase? Is there two staircase? You like go into your kitchen and now you're reaching after the utensils. What are your utensils like? You know, what do the towels look like in your bathroom? And oftentimes when people are like, what do you want? They're like, oh, I just want to be rich, be in a big house, be in this. But if you actually can't like see every single thing, like you want an arcade room, what arcade games are in there, right? If you can't actually see like what type of rug do you have, then you can't, you actually can't get it. And he had talked about like asking this question, like what's the way that I can make the most money in the least amount of time with the least amount of effort and helping the most people? Ask yourself the crazy question, like, Wow, that would be ideal if I found the answer to that. It's not going to come right away. But like if you ponder that question, you start taking some action to that question, you'll develop the business that you can make the most money with the least amount of time, the least amount of effort, and also help the most people and be the happiest. That was like the other one. You know, and I'd feel happy about it, right? I'm not scamming people to do it. So yeah, powerful questions is just really important. 
I got a powerful question for Mark, if you're out there. Mark, what do you do when you vision that home and all those particulars, and then your significant other's vision trumps yours? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. That, that's when you, you got to compromise. <laughs> that's when you got to- That's your failure? What is your- <laughs> that's, really that, that's where you got to sit down. You know, you got to do a co-creation dreamscaping. Right. <laughs> we do a storyboard together. <laughs> Just do a vision board together. Yeah, vision board, yeah, right. What, uh, so you, you've, uh, you got this great way of actually you meet really interesting people uh, i don't know if you have a, a certain well you do have a philosophy on people but mm. talk to me about some of the relationships that you've developed what do you do with this network that you mm -hmm. have how do you build it what do you do mm -hmm. to foster it nurture yeah. it this is kind of like the unwritten rules that i've learned of like networking especially when you network with influencers and celebrities or like royalty or like high executives or whatever it is there's like different rules of networking than if you're just networking with like uh, the average person. The first though, if I was to go through like fundamental principles, that's always worked for me. Focus on yourself first, right? Like I always do this metaphor and I've been doing this since college, just to, like show other people, like how do you network, right? So say for example, you know, you're a hundred dollar stock right now, all the thoughts that you're thinking, the money that you have, what you're doing, everything about you just makes you a hundred dollar stock. It's not bad. You're just a hundred dollar stock. Well, what's going to happen when you're a hundred dollar stock, you're going to be having people who can afford a hundred dollar stock in your awareness. You're going to be having hundred dollar conversations. You're going to be having hundred dollar relationships, hundred dollar opportunities. But now what happens when you build your intrinsic value to a million dollar stock intrinsically by reading more books, developing better habits, going to the gym, learning, growing. Well, now all of a sudden, the $100 people can't afford you anymore. And seemingly out of nowhere from the invisible, people that can afford a million dollar stock start to show up because they're there. They just weren't in your present awareness before. And there's this quote that I always tell people I believe is wrong and it confuses people. And I think it's a huge reason why people network poorly and they have like a, what can you do for me attitude, which is, this infamous quote that says, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that's seriously wrong because what you know leads you to who you know and who you know does not want to know you if you didn't put in the time to know what you know, right? And I could even just share this conversation with you and me, Adam, right? Like you've talked to a lot of people. If I hadn't put in the time for the countless amount of hours before I met you, how could we have built a relationship in that moment, being someone of yourself that has so much value, has had past success? You talk to people every day, right? And consciously or unconsciously, you know who you're going to keep talking to, you know who you're not going to keep talking to. And everyone's the same way, right? So if you go into every conversation not needing to ask anything from anybody because you're just focused on yourself, that makes other people want to collaborate with you more because... I'm bringing value to the table too. Oh, you got value, I got value too. And it puts you in this position to be friends and collaborate as opposed to like leeching. And that's kind of when people network inefficiently is you're actually not as good as a person you want to network with. Change your mindset to saying, I'm expecting myself to work for this person, right? Or work next to this person, be in this person's awareness. Like an example for other young people here, just people in general, like fanboying or fangirling, something, don't do it. To me, it's like social suicide. You go out to a conference, you want to talk to a speaker, don't be the one that's like over them with the camera. Like, can I get a pic? Can I get a pic? Can I get a pic? 
because you'll just be the person that says, can I get a pick? And that's where the relationship will end. Also, like I just came back from that conference in San Diego, and this is where I find like that kind of LA vibes, like Cali vibes is like name dropping. Do not name drop, right? Like this one guy's, you know, it's like, oh, I know Jeff Bezos. You know, I met him last week. I got his email. And in my head, I'm like, cool, bro. Can you call up Jeff right now? And he would say, hey, blank. I'm not going to name the guy's name. Hey, blank. What's up? How can I help you right now? Is he caring about what you're doing? Or did you just meet him one time and you got his email like everybody else? Yeah, I met Jack Canfield. I'm like, dude, I have Jack Canfield's email too. Jack doesn't care about me. You know, <laughs> Jack is not putting money in my pocket. He's not putting food in my mouth because that's just not where the opportunity is right now. And it just made me think to myself about all the amazing people I've met, but you don't name drop because here's my principle when it comes to name dropping. Don't name drop somebody that you can't call on the phone right then and there. And if you're going to name drop somebody, then you better be prepared to extend that relationship to the person. Otherwise, you're just being an asshole. Otherwise, you're just bragging, right? It's like, oh, I like Amazon. Oh, I know Jeff Bezos. Cool, dude. One, that doesn't make you sound better. Two, it doesn't increase your perceived value. And this goes to something in psychology, right? It's actually called um, the shadow effect, the technical term of it. And this is where we gain some intrinsic value, perceived value in ourselves, in the shadow of our friend's success, right? So you'll oftentimes hear people in conversation, you know, you're like talking about a book, you're talking about the book that you're writing, the person that you're talking to is not writing a book, and they'll be like, yeah, my, one of my best friends is a best-selling author. Cool. That doesn't build a relationship. If there's something after that, like one of my best friends is a best-selling author, can I put you guys in touch so maybe he could give you some tips to make your book a best-selling author too? Then, it, and then it's appropriate. Otherwise, you're just trying to increase your perceived value based on your network. And that's not networking the right way, right? And that's kind of that unwritten rule when you get to the upper echelon is the person who actually knows Jeff Bezos is going to keep this as their wild card. They're going to listen to you, talk to you and be like, because they know if they're going to stick their neck out and introduce you to Jeff, there's only a certain amount of times they can do that. They need to be providing value to Jeff or anybody, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, anybody that you want to meet. They need to know that if I don't make this connection in my benefit and their benefit, this ruins my relationship capital with them. So the person that can actually make that connection is going to be somebody that's more reserved, is holding that card. They want you to show that you are authentically a good person in your character. And then near the end of the conversation, they kind of lean over and they say, hey, Rob, you know, Jeff is actually an advisor to my company. I like what you're doing with Leave Normal Behind, and I think I could put you guys in touch. That's what the person who actually knows Jeff Bezos will do if you show that you're valuable enough to earn that opportunity. That's what I know when somebody actually knows somebody or they don't know somebody. The person that just met them once or like doesn't have a great relationship with them will say, yeah, I know that person. The person that actually knows that person is not telling people they know that person because they don't want to be asked for a endless amounts of favors. They don't want to be asked to get always get connected to that person. That's like high, high level networking, right? When you get into like celebrity area, influencer area, executive area, if you just focus on coming to the table with your own stuff, then you're always going to be seen as an equal. And I would finish this up with this last example. It doesn't make me any better than anyone, but just the difference of how I interact with people than others. Everyone knows Gary Vaynerchuk, right? So I went to a event with Gary Vaynerchuk. It was at Bloomberg, uh, Cornell Tech, awesome event. 
And this was my first time meeting Gary. I know, I think I'm probably one connection away from Gary, right? I just had never gotten my one-on-one with him. Like the guys that run his social media, I know a lot of guys that have met with him, his business partners, whatever. So at the end of the event, I'm like, I'm not going to leave here and not say hi to Gary. Usually, you know, this is the reason why I've never met Ty Lopez, just because even though he's also one connection away, I'd rather just get the referral and be like, meet him on a personal level. Every time I see Ty, he's like surrounded by 15 people. I'm just refuse to be that way that that's how I meet somebody. This was a little bit different because I'm like, I'm in New York City. I want to meet Gary. I want to say hi to him at least. You know, at the end of the event, there's probably 15, 20 people waiting for him. At the end, just talking. I'm like standing in line kind of. He's talking, really appreciating how emphatic he is and he's listening. And I really like that about him. So anyways, it gets to my turn and he's like about to leave. I tell him I really appreciate this moment. I like the value that you give. I know these certain people and listed a couple that he knows like, Dave Meltzer, Kevin Jonas, and some of these other people. He's like, I told him about Fidget Spinner. He's like, oh, did you email me? I was like, yes, I did. He's like, oh, I remember you now. And um, I told him, I was like, Gary, I love what you're doing. Thanks for your coming here. I want to take a picture with you. And he goes, yeah, let's take a picture. I go, but not now. But not now. I want to take a picture with you when it means something because we are doing something together. So we're not going to take a picture now. We will take a picture together in the future. And I didn't want to like one up the other 15 people that were around there who I knew were going to be like, Gary, can I take a picture with you? But just the way that Gary looked at me at that moment, he's like, ah, that kid's got boss. That kid knows what he's doing. If I can interrupt, because what you touched on, I was going to interrupt you three times before, but you were on such a roll. (laughs) I really didn't need to interrupt you because where you were going with this was perfect. Something that I tell people all the time you know, don't be a roadie. And a lot of times people, they just get so caught up and they want that picture. And two pieces of advice that I give is number one, if you know who you're going to see and you do have a goal and you do want to have that ability to interact with them ahead of time, write a note, Mm -hmm. write a little note, you know, hey, Gary, for example, Mm -hmm. like your work, whatever it is that you, it's something to be very specific about what it is that you get the value that you get from Gary, whatever that is, Hey, now is not a great time, but when you do have a minute where you're not so distracted, I'd love to talk to you about X. But mm-hmm. it's got to be specific, to right. your point about being really, really specific. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing, and you already kind of pretty much addressed that with how you handled the, the picture. But also, say Gary is not available, Gary's going to have someone that he trusts. There's right. going to be an advisor or two mm-hmm. that are in his presence at all times. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're better off approaching them right. build, build the relationship with them first because, yeah 100 percent. hey build hey, a relationship with the gatekeepers 100 percent. it's you know it's almost like uh when i used to do sales we you know i wouldn't go after the ceo i would try to talk to their administrative assistant mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they're going to be able to tell me the right time to talk to that ceo right they're going to tell me they might even give advice on how to handle so mm-hmm. i'm now in such a better position to have the right type of conversation right. at the right time pretty much just echoing what you said yeah yeah i appreciate <laughs> it i think especially for a lot of young people too you know if you want to grow the ranks expect that you're going to get there right because this is something i talked about on stage and like i've worked with people that i thought were going to put me on you know that whole thought of like mentorship and mentors and like that big partner that oh if i could just partner with gary if if grant cardone would just pay attention to me if lewis house would just know my name right like man i'd make more money right and if there's anything i've learned is it's like no one's going to put food in your own mouth. No one's going to put food in your own mouth. You're going to find people that you hunt food with together, but no one is going to put food in your own mouth. Focusing on your intrinsic value, your intrinsic ability to earn and learn and operate and grow and thrive. If you focus on you first, 
then you're more compelling for other people to want to work with you. So when you talk about focusing on you first, is that more of just kind of a mindset? Because when you do have that opportunity to be in the presence of who you want Mm -hmm. to speak with or whatever it is that you're looking to get, do you then shift your energy to seeing what you can do to help them? Yeah, so active listening is very important. Uh, put yourself first is that the idea of even, you know, habits of highly effective people, right, is put first things first. Oftentimes people with a family, mothers will be like, oh, I have kids. I have all this work to do. I can't, I, I'm going to put everyone before myself. That's a logical excuse. Even though that is very serious circumstances that you have, it's still a logical excuse because you will operate better with all the things that you have to do in the day if you take the first 30 minutes or an hour to yourself. You read a book in the morning. You know, this is something that my mom does, and that's why she's still in the same cycle, right? She like wants to work out for a countless amount of years. But every time you're like, hey, mom, you want to work out? She's like, oh, I got too much stuff to do. Oh, I got too much stuff to do. I'm like, mom, people got stuff to do every single day. You know, It's just like what you choose to do. Putting yourself first, I think, is very important because if you put yourself first, your body is the thing that's interacting with everything in your day. So if your mind and body are better, then it just implies that the rest of your day and how you handle your day would be better if you are better. It's like the lifeboat theory. Or, or, I'm, I'm unfamiliar. I'm unfamiliar. Yeah, plane goes down. They say, you know, you got to give yourself or the life jacket, life jacket or, yeah, you yeah. gotta, you gotta, you can't help anyone else until you can help yourself. Exactly. So you they know, always say women and children first. No. Yeah. You yeah. first, then help. Because then you can do it. You're not able to do it if you don't give yourself that time. This is the logical excuse, and this is why it's like really sinister. Is because it sounds logical, right? It's like I actually have to do this thing of work first. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I actually got to go run downstairs because I'm gonna be late, right? You start getting all of these very logical reasons why you shouldn't put yourself first. You know, but you just have to condition yourself to realize like, no, that is a farce. That is an illusion. That's a negative voice. You know, like that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. If you're religious, like that's the devil. You know, like that's the thing that's pulling me away from what I need to do. Right. And you can tell the difference of an energy, right? If it feels light or if it feels heavy. Right. So you have to look for those opportunities when that's happening to you. You know, because like you said, you can't help others until you help yourself, not in a selfish way. Right. But in a way of like, you got to take care of number one before you can take care of number two. Otherwise, you're going to do more harm to number two than you're intending. You know, so I think that's really important for people to remember. What do you do to maintain your network? So you obviously yeah. know, you know, a lot of people you've talked about, all these great people yeah. that you've had the good fortune of coming across mm-hmm. and doing some really good things. You've done more at 24 than most people have done by 60. Mm-hmm. How do you foster these relationships? There's a couple of things. This is even something that I'm aspiring to do more right? As my wealth continues to grow, which is gift giving, right? Just like having that be one of uh, just the things that I do is just gift giving. I haven't done it enough of it. To be honest, my networking secret is that I'm such an active listener when I meet with somebody and I've truly studied and practiced how to win friends and influence people to make people feel appreciated. Then it comes to that, like my Angelou quote, where it's like, people don't remember what you do. They don't remember what you say. They remember how you make you feel. My best networking is that I meet somebody one time and then I'll see them eight months later and it feels like we've seen each other 10 times. And that just always happens to me. You know, it's just kind of what it is because I get to that space in that one moment of we're either going to be friends and it's always going to be like that or we're not going to be friends and it's like that. There's a very harsh line even after just one time meeting me, right? Like you and me connected, then we talked again. I talked to other people at that event that I'll never talk to again. I do a lot of my 
networking in that moment, right? Where I'm saying, oh, I'm talking to Adam. I like Adam. I want to talk to Adam more. And then I build a good relationship with Adam. Whereas I have that same type of conversation with other people. In that moment, I already have a barometer of the frequency on which we're going to talk because that's the intention that's set. That's where I, I do it. And then gift giving, obviously, is like the ultimate follow-up. You know, I'm not doing enough of it, but it comes back down to, and this is from one of my friends, mentors, advisors. I have a lot of those like friends, mentors, advisors, consider like in their 30s, 40s, 50s, who I could just like reach out and call. They're not like giving me any money, but they're very successful and I could just call them, ask a question. And, you know, one of these guys, he talked to me about the concept of gift giving. And he was like, Rob, you don't understand that the peasants understand more about networking than we do. Right, Because in ancient Egypt or in ancient civilizations, if you wanted something, you would find the most precious thing that you owned, even if it was just a sentimental object because you were poor, and you would go to the king, offer him a gift, he'd be appreciative for it, and then he'd say, how can I help you? Welcome to the kingdom. Enter into the kingdom because you offered him a gift. People don't do that. right? Now people go up to somebody and say, how can you help me? What can you do for me? So the ancient civilizations knew more about networking, knew more about giving yourself opportunity so ironic, than we do now. So ironic. You know, so that gift giving component is an opportunity for you to add more value than you take in payment, show that you care about that person, show that you have observed like something that they'd be interested in. And that's how I think how you build a relationship, you know, and, and right now being like younger, like I want to be getting people like 200 to $300 like custom gifts. That's like my ideal, right? Whether it's like a custom jewelry or like a small plaque. Like we've been thinking about like what type of gift we can have like leave normal behind specific, right? So it's like in two weeks you get something in your mail that's like leave normal behind pendant from me, you know? And that's like where we're we're headed. But I think just the principle of understanding that is important because we're not doing it perfect and it will always grow. Making sure that people feel good when you're with them is very important because they're not going to remember what you do and not remember what you say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you use any kind of contact management system? Like, how do you hold all these people's yeah. contact? I mean, you've got, you know, thousands of people that mm-hmm. are following you. You're meeting people all the time. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's got to be some people you at least want to stay in touch with or yeah. remember. I tried the whole Excel sheet thing. <laughs> I've made, like, three Excel sheets, right? And I get to, like, one of them, I got to contact, like, 890-something, whatever. I have, like, over 2,000 in my phone, like, just phone numbers. And then I didn't even get into my emails or whatever. And then I like try to make it really comprehensive. Like, what's your occupation? Like, what can we talk about? How can I help you? When was the last time we talked? Like, I tried to do that because I'm not a good at logistics. That's just a fact. I, that's something I'm going to need like a data scientist to help out with. Like, I have so much data that I, if somebody could analyze my data and then like tell me what to do from the data, it'd be great. Right. And somebody needs to be very passionate about the data that we have. Right now, my management system is I put somebody's number in, and then in the company, I just write L and B, and then and then I go into my text message, and if I type in search, I type in L and B. Everyone that has the L and B tag is somebody that is in my network. I don't talk to each of them enough. That's the honest truth. But social media, I believe, is how these people feel like I am more relevant to them, right? And this comes from like this guy Scott Alford, friend of mine, who talks about this idea of like omnipresence. If you're always in people's vicinity on social media, then it feels like they know you, right? So oftentimes I don't get people's numbers. Some people I do, I'll get them on LinkedIn, I'll get them on Facebook because I know I'm gonna keep creating content and they're gonna see what I'm creating. They're gonna be like, oh, this is what Rob's about. I know that I'm gonna be getting more engagement than most of the people on their newsfeed. And then over time, they're gonna be like, oh, I wanna work with Rob or something. 
Speaking of working with you, you've got some really cool stuff coming out. Tell me about some of the things yeah. that you're involved in and, and how, what value people yeah. are going to get, some of the takeaways. So in 2018, we're really focused on our masterclass. So we're doing a six-week masterclass to increase your influence and monetize your personal brand. What we found is that the people who are hiring us were six to ten-figure entrepreneurs or less than six-figure entrepreneurs who were aspiring for more, right? Ready to do whatever it takes to make it happen. So we thought to ourselves, hey, it's not a scalable business for to do one-on-one -on -one consulting anymore. We were charging around $10,000 a month. It was just coming inbound traffic through Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn, right? And just based on my content, people would say, hey, Rob, I want to work with you. Or I'd help people get featured in Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, Business Insider, the, the whole nine, right? Those are extremely valuable places. Yeah, yeah. And just building a personal brand and social currency is important, you know? So we were like, okay, how can we help more people in an automated, not automated, it's like semi-automated way, where we can create stuff that will increase the amount of money that we make, lessen the amount of time that we need to put to it, and help the most people at the same time. And it's an online masterclass, right? And if you guys are familiar with people like Russell Brunson, you know, in his book, Dotcom Secrets and Expert Secrets, Expert Secrets, I highly, highly suggest you get both of them I do. But this masterclass was really built off the backbone of Expert Secrets, right? And that whole book talks about how can you take your area of expertise and package it up into an information product. We had done information products in the past, made a couple thousand dollars, but we never made it evergreen. So this one, we we're like, hey, let's really focus on getting 500 students through the masterclass. Um, so the masterclass right now is a six-week masterclass, and you get six hours of video content. You get a live Facebook group call each week. You get access to the private Facebook group as it grows, so you'll meet other incredible people. There's an opportunity as an option for you to attend like the Influence Summit, where everyone from the masterclass will be invited to go. We'll talk specifically about personal branding, bring in speakers, do a little workshop. And then not only that, you get three tools and a bonus. So you get a content creation playbook, a strategy guide to building an impactful community, and you get a personal brand profitability checklist, which is essentially the foundation of how you monetize your brand, right? Most people don't know what their central brand message is. They don't know how much they cost. They don't know what their consulting fee is. They don't know what they would speak about if they got the opportunity. They don't know how to package themselves up into a product that can be purchased as a personal brand, you know? So just giving them a checklist for them to be able to do so. And then we wrap that up with 52 book summaries. So you get a year's worth of knowledge, you know? So the average CEO reads about 40 to 60 books a year. We took care of that for you. 52 book summaries from classics like Think and Grow Rich, Richest Man in Babylon, Greatest Salesman in the World, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Art of War, right? The whole nine, Contagious, you know, just a whole bunch of great books. Top shelf yeah. reading. Yeah, hundred and, and these are books that you really need to read. You know, I, I view books and I tell people to view books as vitamins, right? Don't view a book as like, I got to read this book. View it as a vitamin, right? Because if you read How to Win Friends and Influence People, well, now you know human management better, right? If you want to become more efficient in your personal life, read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right? It's the same thing, right? You, you get scratching when you're a little kid on a rusty pipe. What do you need to do? You need to go get a tetanus shot from the doctor. So you don't need a tetanus shot for like eight more years or 10 more years or whatever it is. It's the same thing with books. Once you read Think and Grow Rich, you're introduced to proper mindset, right? In the same way as you would with a vaccination of some kind. You know, so I really encourage people to view books like that, right? Because once you read the classics, you give yourself the foundation to build, you know? So if you just view books as like those vaccines, the vitamins, 
you know, you don't have to read a lot. You just have to be well-read, right? And there's a difference between reading a lot and being well-read. You know, like you can read five books, 10 books in your life, right? That, But if you practice these books and they're staple content, you're still going to be pretty efficient, you know, if you implement it. And the, these course, this is something that's going to live on the web. So even if they miss it in February, if they're yeah. getting this in 2019, May, mm-hmm. it's still good. So it's still going to grow. So it's application only. So you have to um, fill out an application. You have to apply to the masterclass. We're doing it in six-week increments. That's one of the things that we're uncovering is do we do it in six-week increments? Do we allow them to run simultaneously? And this is something that we'll see. You know, if we get 1,000 members on the, in the masterclass, you know, then seeing how we do it logistically with it running like concurrently with each other and then scheduling like the live group calls, scheduling the group. That's more of like a logistics thing that we're, we'll see, you know, if it has to be six weeks after the other, you know, if you don't get into the February class, maybe you get into the March class and maybe, you know what I mean? So we'll, we'll see. I don't have the, the answer for that right now, uh, but the price is 2000 bucks for the six weeks. If you get in, yeah, that's it. Just two. Yeah. And it's like a alternative education. You know, it's like, this is $20,000 worth of information. You know, one of the stuff that we really pride ourselves on is, you know, we teach people actual skills. Like I'm an actual entrepreneur. I'm a young entrepreneur that's using these strategies to make money as an entrepreneur. You know, it's like, I would not be sitting here right now if I hadn't built a personal brand, if we didn't create content, if we didn't use the stuff that we've been doing for the last five years, you know? So for other people now, they have so much stuff that they know. They have so much value that they're leaving on the table, all these missed opportunities that they're having because they're not even giving themselves the opportunity to be showcased because they don't have a personal brand. They know so much more stuff offline. They're making more money offline that they're fragmented. And one of the biggest things I remember telling myself when I was younger, I said, you know, when I first started, I was like, I need to start sharing more. If I know that one day, right, this was before I ever got paid to consult, I was like, if I know that one day I want to get paid for what's in my brain, well, then I need to show people what's in my brain for free. If I'm not creating videos and writing articles and writing captions that show like, oh, this dude Rob's reading books and he knows what he's talking about, how could I ever imagine that I'd build the trust for somebody to actually pay me their money? Many people, millions of people, know more than they actually share that they know. So think about how much missed opportunity there is when you're not having that one-to-one relationship, you know, so that was something for us to really focus on helping other people do that through the masterclass. And then we have an LMB membership, just two ways to get into our network right now, outside of just like independent one-on-one consulting with me, which is more high ticket, like 10 K plus, whether you're doing press or just, you know, my individual accelerator time, the masterclass is a six weeks. And then the LNB membership is like an annual subscription. So it's a thousand bucks. You get four quarterly calls um, with my brother. You get some initial LNB merch bracelet. You get access to the LNB Summit, private Facebook group, and then discounts on all the products. So how do people get in touch with you? Yes. Are you okay giving out your information? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Facebook Messenger is a great way to get in touch with me. Just Rob Fajardo. My Spell email. That. Yeah. So it's R-O-B-F-A-J-A-R-D-O. My email, which is great, is rob at leavenormalbehind.com. Please reach out to me. You know, if you're interested in inquiring and applying for the masterclass, if you're interested about inquiring and applying for the Leave Normal Behind membership, please do so. And if there's one ask I could have of the audience, one of our goals with LNB TV, we started a TV show in 2017, done decent. You know, it's got about 100,000 views organically in 2017. A 2018 year goal for us is 100 million views, right? So just a thousand exit. We didn't put any ad spend in 2017. So just 
you know, really growing it. And one of the goals is to bring on 12 A-plus list celebrities this year. So I'm talking, you know, people who are truly leaving normal behind, right? Like a LeBron James and Oprah and Ellen, the Dalai Lama, J. Cole, senators, politicians, um, quantum physicists. You know, I'm talking about if you know somebody in your network that's leaving normal behind and you believe can provide real value, please make the email connection, you know, because outside of the monetary amount, if you join the masterclass, just getting other people who are leaving normal behind to come on leave normal behind tv to talk about leaving normal behind and what they think about with what's going on right now in the world is a huge thing of importance for us and that would really help us out a lot i'm tasking the audience to step up and show your true networking skills truth it is the truth you know if we could get an oprah or an ellen or a rob deerdeck or mark cuban damon john or alex rodriguez right like just different different things it's all networking, right? People know them. There's a there's a law, right? The the law of six degrees. Everyone is connected by everyone by six people or less. So our Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos would also be some great um, great people that we want to feature on on Leave Normal Behind. Vin Diesel, The Rock, you know, I can keep naming them. Justin Bieber, right? Like people that are really at that upper echelon, so we can get their perspective and ask them the questions that need to be asked. Awesome. Rob, you've been great. So much information. Like I said, you're an old soul. Thanks. <laughs> you know, that's clearly well-read, clearly well-traveled, just really clear in your thoughts. I've really enjoyed sitting down, spending some Thanks. time with you, giving everyone else an opportunity to hear the big message or messages that you have to share with everybody. Mm-hmm. Anything in particular that you'd like to ask me? What I want to ask you is, um, what is the thing that you'd like to know about me that you don't know right now? What do I... Your motivation. What motivates me every day? Mm-hmm. It's crazy that you asked me that question. So this quote motivates it's me. It's crazy that I asked that question. Yeah. You asked me to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. But I guess I didn't that register good. that you asked it back to me. That was good. I like that. <laughs> it's crazy that you asked yeah. me that question. Yeah. But I wouldn't have known that you were going to ask me that question. So I asked you a question that you did give me a question I didn't know you were going to ask, you know? So I played football and baseball at Amherst College. I was recruited for two sports. I transitioned out of both my sophomore year when I asked myself, I'm like, am I really trying to go pro? What's my major league talent? You know, I'm at a great school, Amherst College, a small liberal arts school, similar to like an Ivy League type, like a Princeton Harvard type, like less than 1,800 people though. Very rigorous curriculum. I think like second most rigorous behind Princeton. And I was just like putting so much time into work and athletics i'm like is this what i'm supposed to be doing i was like what's my major league talent and i was like my major league talent has got to be my brain i'm like i'm gonna have my brain for my whole life i should take the time while i'm here to become more intelligent so i transitioned out of both sports and it was one and i went to the not like right away maybe the next day two days later i ended up going into the philosophy library at amherst and i went to the socrates section and it was one of those things where it's like i'm gonna pick this book open up this book, put my finger down, like what happens here in this book is like what's supposed to happen, right? So I end up going to the Socrates section. I pull out a book called The Human Condition by Marcus Aurelius, and I open it up, right? And in this is a quote, maybe slightly paraphrased a little bit because I haven't been able to find this quote since that day, you know? But it basically said, if you don't want to become the best of the best, if you don't want to be immortal amongst mortals, then you're not even human, but rather an animal that has lived died and been forgotten content with the pleasures around them if you do not want to become the best of the best if you do not want to be immortal amongst mortals 
then you're not even human, but rather an animal that has lived, died, and been forgotten, content with the pleasures around them. So to me, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, what this quote is saying is that your own family forgets you two or three generations down the road. I don't know my great-grandfather. I sure as hell don't know my great-great-grandfather. So what this quote is saying is that if in your one lifetime, you don't use your inner genius, which is equivalent to Albert Einstein, Nikola Tesla, Elon Musk, if you allow it to be, to use your creative genius to build something that lasts past your death, well, then you didn't do anything to separate yourself from a squirrel that has lived, died, and been forgotten, content with the pleasures around them. Because our ability to create is what makes us human. The ability that we can make a legacy is what separates us from other animals. I was like, wow. And my next thought was, you know, I'm not an elitist and I'm not a patronizing person, right? So a life of anonymity and comfortability and complacency is okay. Not everyone needs to have an overarching purpose in their life. Not everyone needs to be driven by, you know, this huge thing. And not everyone needs to create a legacy that lasts, you know, hundreds of years. But I was like, if there's one motherfucker in history that says you're either a human or an animal based on what you create, in that moment, I was like, I already written a history book, right? Because I had just read and I had known that it takes no more energy to think a bigger thought because it takes no more energy to ask a bigger question. And that's something Socrates says, right? Ask big questions, get big answers. The quality of the question we ask is in direct proportion to the quality of the answer we receive. So in that moment, I was like, how could I live forever? Oh, Let's inspire 7 billion people to become the best version of themselves, create things that matter. I didn't know how we do it. It was way early on and leave normal behind, right? It was three years ago or something at this point. You know, but it was just that moment where I just asked myself the question, like, when does history swallow you up, right? Like, Michael Jackson's amazing, right? He's going to be known in music for a long time. Elvis is great. Is he going to last 100 years, 200 years, 300 years? Is he like Plato, like Socrates, Aristotle? King Solomon, like how long does it take for history to swallow you up? Because for me, it's what I realized, right? There was a dude in like 1450 Florence who was like a micro celebrity that knew everyone, networked with everyone, was really rich, had a lot of social currency. Everyone could go for him to advice. He knew what he was doing. He built businesses and we have no idea who he is. So how many micro celebrities that we aspire to be like hundreds, thousands have been throughout history and we have no clue of who they are. That was where, for me, I, I realized it's not about the money that you have. It's not about, like, what you acquire. It's about what you actually do, you know, the impact that you have. So that's what motivates me, right, is that idea of a big question, you know, is like, hey, how are we going to be last forever, you know, and how can leave normal behind last forever? And, you know, just tapping it in, just sharing with the audience of the big vision of L&B is really bridging the gap between politics and pop culture. If there's anything that I've noticed now with the landscape of the world especially what Donald Trump has shown, is that we've officially moved into the time where an influencer, a non-politician, can leverage social media and the technologies that exist to mobilize a large enough following with more votes required to become an elected world leader. That idea is revolutionary, right? Because you used to have to be a career politician. You used to have to be able to build a lot of different networking and relationships to like fund your campaign. And like scary thing, but also the huge opportunity that I see, right, is last, you know, in the election, there were 67, 68 million votes between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. 50% of 18 to 29 year olds did not vote. 
That's tens of millions of votes that are not even in the ballot. They're not even participating. So let's just say more people participate, right? And now there's 80 or 90 million votes between Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Awesome. Now, what does that mean for Mark Zuckerberg with 100 million followers? The Rock with 100 million followers. Vin Diesel with 100 million followers. Justin Bieber with 100 million followers. Kylie Jenner. Kim Kardashian with 100 million followers. Kanye West with 100 million followers. I'm not saying that any of these people can, will, will be, or has the skills to be articulate enough to become president or be a good president. I don't think Donald Trump is a good president. But what he did is he added a new variable to the equation to become president, which is this influencer component, which has never been accessible before, to now be in the race. So the amount of disruption that he's created, for me, I, Donald Trump's going to be out in four or eight years, so I don't care. So on a 10, 15, 25, 50-year scale, 100-year scale, this introduction that I believe for artists, for influencers, to get at the helm of leadership in politics and how that translates into policy, that is where I find really revolutionary because like Tony Robbins is great. Gary Vaynerchuk is great. Lewis Howes is great. Gerard Adams is great. Grant Cardone is great. All these guys are great, but it's like, I don't believe that you can truly help somebody become the best version of themselves, create things that matter, unless it turns into a law. Unless that law is going to stick around for 100 years, 200 years, 300 years. Because before Tony Robbins, he's done great things. He's inspired a lot of people. Before Tony Robbins, there was Jim Rohn. And before Jim Rohn, there was Earl Nightingale. And before Earl Nightingale, there was somebody else, right? So it's like, when does that actually bridge over to that personal growth being the norm and i believe that happens when it becomes policy right and so that's the difference with leave normal behind and our movement versus other influencer movements is it's not about rob fajardo right we didn't name it like the rob fajardoers or like the low gang or the jake paulers or vayner nation it's not about us you know it's about how you can leave normal behind you know and people have tried to poach me to do their other stuff right like come to our brand be the face of their brand i'm like no and they're like why i'm like you don't understand the united states cannot be in our nation. The United States cannot leaders create leaders. The United States cannot school of greatness. The United States cannot summit series. The United States cannot Cardone University. The United States can leave normal behind. North Korea can leave normal behind. Britain can leave normal behind. Australia can leave normal behind. Israel can leave normal behind. And that's where our difference is, which is why we built a TV show, right? By being able to have that exposure, to give a millennial lens on all the things that are happening, it's just not there right now. You know, you type in top talk show host, what comes up? Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Oprah, Ellen, Dr. Oz, John Stewart, Stephen Colbert, Conan O'Brien. There isn't a single talk show host under 30 years old that can really give an articulate millennial lens on all of the stuff that's going on in politics and pop culture and have the studio and bring on the influencers, the celebrities, the politicians, and do it in a way that's articulate, unbiased, and not slanted by corporate sponsorship, you know, and that's something that millennials really don't like. You know, a lot of us are moderate. One of our great things is our ability to see multiple perspectives and politics isn't like that. It's like, you're either doing this or you're doing this, but most people are like, it's usually not this way or this way. It's probably a combination of both of those things, you know, and that's why you see tens of millions of people not voting because they think I don't have a say. I'm not important enough. I used to be this person, you know what I mean? And that's why as a young millennial who used to be underinformed, undereducated, and didn't participate, I was like, wow, right? You're right. Your individual vote may not matter that much. But now you multiply that by 20 million, 
Would Donald Trump still be the president? Would Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump have even been our candidates if more people participated? You know, so that's really where I see over the next 10 years, right, 20 years, change as people really start to see the landscape of social media, see how people are using their influence. People are realizing now they have more power than they think. And uh, Donald Trump really showed that, you know, I don't like him as a president. And I think he's doing some good things. I think he doesn't have control of what he says. He doesn't think like a politician. He's thinking like a businessman. Can I blame him? He's a businessman. He's not a politician. He's not a diplomat. And he's open about that. The great thing that he's done, though, is disrupting this arena that's been undisruptable, right? Because leave normal behind is not recreating the wheel, right? What would Gandhi have done with an iPhone? Could Martin Luther King have run for president if he had Facebook? If he could use Facebook ads, would the civil rights movement have been different? You know, so I think now the technology is just starting to catch up to what people have already been doing and already been saying. You know, and, and that's the end thing with Leave Normal Behind and the people on this on this podcast, you know, over the next 15, 20 years, right? Just staying up to date with as we build, becoming part of our community. And if you're somebody that's purpose driven, becoming the best version of ourselves, creating things that matter, then get involved in our community, right? If you want to affect a big change, get involved in our community. And vote Rob Fajardo for president. <laughs> <laughs> One day, hopefully. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. This has been great. Uh, like I said, chock full of insights, information, not to mention fun. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate you, Adam. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. If so, check out some of my others on conversationswithconnors.com. If you're someone looking to build a business, increase your sales, or make a career change, Go to networkwise.com. There, you'll have access to a bunch of resources that can help you get started. Thanks again, make it a great day, and remember to always network wise.